and welcome into this special Eastern Conference Wild Card edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, Locked On Pittsburgh Penguins, and Locked On New York Islanders podcast. We are all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making each of our Locked On podcasts your first listen of the day. Let me introduce myself. My name is Armando Velez, the host of Locked On Panthers, and you can follow me on Twitter at MondoMan12. And very thankful to be doing this crossover edition with the two hosts of Locked On Penguins and Locked On Islanders. Start off with Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. You could follow him at Hunter Hodes. You could follow Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders at Ice Wars NYRVSNYI. And gentlemen, Great to be getting together with you two. Great to be with you too, Armando. Yeah, it's great to be here. And it's about to begin a whole lot more stressful this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, because each I, I said it on my Sunday show. I, I had a previous recording uh, prior to this roundtable that each and every day for the next four days, starting on Monday, even when each of our individual teams aren't playing, we all have a game to pay attention to, even when our team isn't in action of course monday will have will be will, the new york islanders and the florida panthers will be in action while the penguins are idle and though and not all game 82 for each and every team is going to be fall on the same day but let's start off this wild card round table edition of the show let's start with the team just on the outside looking in in the pittsburgh penguins and this is where we turn to you hunter Tell us about tell us about the Pittsburgh Penguins season, the ups and downs. The the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean it's been pretty pretty much a roller coaster to be honest. You know, eighty games, you really haven't been able to figure them out. Um, team is just average, honestly. You know, you look at the record: 40, 30, and ten, forty and forty overall. That's as mid as you can get, um, as as you know, some of the younger generation people like to say. Um, but you know. They shouldn't even really be in this position right now, considering the games they've dropped. You know, a couple games to Gills Islanders, they probably should have had in the bag. They dropped one in regulation to the Senators. They dropped one to the Canadians. They dropped one to the Red Wings. Um, heck, if they had just beaten the Islanders in their last game against them, uh, they actually would be one point up on the Islanders right now, and they would be in the driver's seat. To they, all they would need to do is win their last two games, and they would be in. But um, they need help right now. It's just, you know. The top six has carried the load the entire way. Jake Ensel is 35 goals. Sidney Crosby just hit 1,500 points. Evgeny Malkin has 82 points. Ricard Raquel, Jason Zucker at around 30 goals. Brian Rust has over 20. Um, if you have told me that all that would have happened and they would be on the outside looking in, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, but their special teams have stunk. Their goaltending hasn't been that good. They have a lot of depth players who really aren't doing the job. And it's just been – just up and down, Jekyll and Hyde, as I like to call it. They finally, you know, turned it up these last couple of games. They just haven't gotten the help, but they're going to need to get some sort of help this week if they want to get in. Someone, one of these two teams is going to have to lose a game while the Penguins um, have to win out. You, you talked a little bit about the goaltending. Uh, Tristan Jerry has been injured at times, but, you know, sometimes he looks great and sometimes he just doesn't seem to have it. What what where is he now and and what has his impact been on this team over the course of the season? Yeah, I mean he looks to I think have turned a little bit of a corner these last couple of games. I think he's played really well against the Wild. 
I think he's played really well against the Red Wings. That start against New Jersey, I think everyone was rotten, to be honest. Um, but over this last week, we can change. I think he's slowly started to get back to the level that we saw from him in the first half of this season. Um, he's definitely battled his you know numerous injuries this season. One, one was the groin. I heard the last one was the back, I think. Or I'm speculating that he had, he's had a shot in his back, which is making him play a bit better. Um, but he's definitely been turning around, which is nice. It, it, it stinks that he was really inconsistent during a good portion of the season because you know it's no secret that the Penguins play better in front of them than they do um, in front of DeSmith. You know the, the data backs that up in terms of expected goals against per sixty, uh, scoring chances against per sixty. Um, they play tighter in front of their starter versus their backup. Um, you figure it would be the other way around, but for some reason I, they play better in front of. Um, they play more tighter in front of their number one. Um, but, you know, it also, it's also unfortunate that DeSmith has had to play more games this season um, than Jari. Usually that's not the case when you have a starter versus a backup. I think if Jari had been healthy, maybe they're not in this situation, but um, it's definitely been a big point of contention. It's gotten to a point where you don't really know if he's going to come back next year, but also the free agent market's not that good. Um you know, they need him to play really well these last two games, obviously get some help, but he's done his job these last two. I said a week and a half ago, you got to ride him until the end. He's your starter. He's giving you decent goaltending, at least right now. You got to continue that these last couple of games. And then especially if they do make the playoffs, he's obviously going to start. And and Hunter, here, here it's funny because right before, right before doing this roundtable, I was looking up some of the stats, natural stat trick for for the pens, and their goal differential is just a little bit above zero at plus two. But then I look at how statistically average they are in almost every single category. I mean, 49 uh, power play goals at five on four and five shorthanded goals given, given up. Also, it's the same exact thing flipped around with five shorthanded goals for the Penguins and 49 power play goals against for their opposition so it basically evens out also on on the on the on the on the pk as well for the for the pittsburgh penguins in, in that front as far as as far as bottom six scoring because that is that is the key for that is the key for the 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 pens but also there's injuries as as well there's dimitri kulikov there's nick bonino there's Marcus Pedersen as as well on on the on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Who is that guy who you believe needs to step up for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, that's a that's a good question. You know, in terms of stepping up, um, I wish I could say the entire bottom six because it's been mostly a tire fire this this entire season. Um, I would like to see Mikhail Granlund step up and show a little bit of a pulse. Um, the Penguins paid a second round pick for him, and I think Ron Hextall got cleaned out pretty badly by David Poyle, a guy who's retiring at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why they made that trade. He really hasn't done much since coming over from Nashville. It would be nice to see him step up these final two games and, you know, at least look the part of being acquired for a second round pick. Um, it's funny, you know, we've kind of gone at him all year. Jeff Carter's actually shown a little bit of a pulse these last few games. I guess it's just that time of year during the late stages of the regular season and into the playoffs. That's, I guess when he plays his best hockey, maybe he saved it for the end. Um, but, you know, as a whole, I think it's the, the bottom six in general needs to step up. The top six has carried the load all year. Um, I, I keep saying on my show, if the Penguins are able to squeak in here, I think it's probably one of the greatest accomplishments of this era is getting this 
very, very flawed roster into the playoffs because the, the GM had a very easy job after bringing back the core at very discounted rates, may I add, and mm. just lit salary cap space on fire and went out and got players who really have not fit the mold that well. So, you know, I'm definitely looking at Grandland. I'm looking at the other players in the bottom six. Um, it'd be nice if Pedersen comes back on Tuesday. I've heard that's when they're tar- that's he's targeted to come back on Tuesday against the Blackhawks. Um, he's been their best defensive defenseman all year. You can make an argument that he has been their best overall defenseman this year, even ahead of Crystal Tang, who is awesome, of course. But that's what I'm really looking at here, um, especially if they make the playoffs because you, you need depth scoring to win. They, they've, they've had that in 2009, they had that in 2016, and they had that in 2017. So um, that's going to need to change in a big way um, if they're lucky enough to get in here going to be a tight race and uh looking forward to seeing it should be an exciting week for all three of our teams no question about that we are going to break down the new york islanders next uh in this special three-way uh wild card preview so uh but first we're going to talk a little bit about FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. And baseball season now been going on for a week check out the odds for your favorite team on the FanDuel app so don't miss a chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball And we are back here on this special roundtable edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers, Locked On Pittsburgh Penguins, and Locked On New York Islanders podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making all of our podcasts your first listen of the day. Now we turn our attention to Gil Martin and the New York Islanders. So, Gil, the Lula Morella kicked off the trade deadline. <laughs> 40 days, 30, 40 days, somewhere around there before the actual deadline. And of course, that was the chain reaction to every other team making their their necessary moves for the trade deadline. Of course, we spoke about in the first segment about Mikhail Granlin, uh, Dmitry Kulikov, and and all for for Hunter's side of things. But there was the big one, big acquisition in Bo Horvat for the New York Islanders and and of course, signing that long-term uh, deal with them, he said yesterday about how the environment's better than Vancouver. So already, parting uh, <laughs> shots already for, for for his uh, former team. But the the biggest question that I that I have for the New York Islanders is their power play. Since Matthew Barzell has gone down, the I, I was looking at the span since, and the New York Islanders' power play is had has a 10% conversion rate since he's gone down. What, what do you, what do you think is, has been the issue with, with Barzell not being there and, and being the inability to score? Well, I mean, first of all, the power play wasn't that great, even when Barzell was healthy and 
Barzal was the guy who really skated the puck into the zone and set things up. And him not being there is, you know, cutting down their ability to get established in the offensive zone and set up their attack. Now, I've been saying this on my show for most of the season. When you're on the power play, you have to do one or two, one of two things. You either have to pass the puck around quickly to try to tire out the penalty killers and find the open man, and or you got to move without the puck and make the penalty killers chase you and try to get open. The Islanders don't seem to do either one of those things. So when you add the fact that they're not getting the puck into the zone as cleanly without bars all, and they're not passing the puck quickly, and they're not moving without the puck, I mean, they're giving up almost as many shorthanded chances as they're creating with their power play right now, and it's a real problem. And if they do make the playoffs, it'll be a really big problem if they can't straighten this out. Oh, that seems familiar with where the Penguins are with their power play, which is just insane in itself. But, you know, Gil, Ilya Sorokin, he's – you know, I think me and everyone else here in this wonderful city learned who he was very quickly just a couple of years ago when he came onto the scene and just showed everyone why he's one of the best goaltenders in the league. Um, how much has he truly meant to the Islanders this season? Because honestly, you know, I don't think they would be anywhere close to where they are right now without his level of play. And honestly, you know, he could very well win the Vesna with this form right now. Yeah, I mean uh, – he without without Ilya Sorokin, and, and this is no disrespect to Semyon Varlamov, who I think is a quality backup mm-hmm. and probably could start for a few teams in this league right mm-hmm. now, even at this point in his career. But without Ilya Sorokin, the New York Islanders are fighting for a lottery spot. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, this is not a great offensive team. They don't have a lot of gifted goal scorers. We know we we've already talked about their power play. Sorokin keeps them in games they have no business being in. And then if you can get that magic number, three goals or more in one game, you've got a great chance of winning if Ilya Sorokin is playing even halfway decently. And and going back to that span of when Barzell went down, Ilya Sorokin in that span is third in the NHL in wins. but And there are nine goalies in that span who have 10 wins. Ilya Sorokin is second in save percentage during that span, only behind Linus Allmark. And Linus Allmark has started less games. Of course, the Boston Bruins just clinched uh, the President's Trophy a few days ago. They just clinched the all-time wins record er, er, right before this recording, and he hasn't been starting as much. They can let their foot off the gas pedal. But it's impressive, really, how Ilya Sorokin is putting this team uh, on his back and and carrying them uh, through. But one positive acquisition that I'm seeing, at least from the the New York Islanders, is Pierre Ingvall for, for them. He's I think he's been a, a little bit of a bright spot. And we spoke last season about how Kyle Palmieri has been a disappointment for the New York Islanders. But in the stretch, I yeah, I know I know the, the depth as far as scoring isn't the, the best for, for New York, but Kyle Palmieri has also been been stepping up in, in clutch as well um if you want to elaborate what they brought to the table well you know it's related the two of them because they are on the same line with brock nelson and that line has been the islanders most productive since they put it together about two maybe three weeks ago 
Engvall really adds speed. And when they traded Anthony Bevilier in the Bo Horvat deal, the Islanders lost probably other than Barzal, their only other speedy forward. So Engvall, he, he comes in, he adds that speedy element, and he's also not afraid to shoot the puck, which again, the Islanders don't have a lot of shoot first guys. So when you add those two elements together, and there has been good chemistry between Rock Nelson, Kyle Palmieri, and Engvall, I mean, that's been the offensive line that has carried this team, especially since Barzal got hurt, because up until two or three games ago, Bo Horvat has been invisible offensively. He does other things well, wins faceoffs, provides leadership, you know, et cetera. But offensively, that line has carried the team. Pierre Engvall is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Lou Lamorello has to find a way to re-sign him because he really has been quietly a very solid addition to this team. Yeah. Go ahead, Hunter. No, no and, and I was just speaking of Gil, you know, just I think I noticed it a few weeks ago. I think a couple Islanders fans that I actually follow on social media pointed out, you know, the Islanders were struggling a little bit. Um, it might have been going into that game against Pittsburgh, um, that last one where the Penguins blew the 3-1 lead with about six minutes left. But since then, I feel like the Islanders, they've gotten back to being that a little annoying, pesky team to play against. You know, we all know where Lane Lambert comes from, the Barry Trotz coaching tree. It looked like they weren't playing that kind of system for a majority of this season. And then all of a sudden, late in the year, or the final third of the season, they just flip that switch and they're just like, Oh, we're just going to go back to playing that style of hockey. And, you know, Lord and behold, it's paid some dividends so far. Have you noticed that they've been, I guess, getting to that part of their game and, you know, having, you know, those two, one, three, two games that, you know, they like playing. I know obviously a lot of fans don't like it just because of where the sport is now with offense, offense, offense. But, you know, have you noticed that the Islanders have kind of bored it down a little bit again? <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, they've gotten back to basics. Yeah. And I think the Barzal injury sort of forced Lane Lambert to say, you know what, we're not winning 4-3 or 6-5. We've got we've to play the defense first style. Earlier in the season, Lane Lambert tried to have the defenseman step up and take some more chances and get more involved in the attack. And it did cost them. I think that uh, losing Barzal forced them to go back to the older system. And then I think the fact that, although he's hurt right now, Alexander Romanov sort of got more comfortable in the Islanders' system, played smarter and better in his own zone. And those two factors combined sort of helped the team's defense solidify itself and, and you know, keep it simple, stupid, right? The old KISS system, it's worked for the Islanders over the last few weeks. Yeah, and, and of course, Alexander Romanov, uh, a trade with the Montreal Canadiens this this past offseason as, as part as the, of that stay-at-home defenseman. Of course, the New York Islanders uh, re-signing Noah Dobson on that blue line as well as part of their uh, moves uh, or lack thereof during during the summer, which the Florida Panthers are in a, in a similar position of not making moves, uh, but not just not in the same period of time as well. But and that's our a good opportunity to for us to transition over to our third and final segment where we're going to be discussing the the Florida Panthers and the state that they are currently in. We'll be talking about that next on this special wild card 
Eastern Conference wildcard edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and Locked On Penguins and Islanders. Welcome back to this special roundtable edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers, Locked On um, Locked On Florida Panthers, Penguins, and Islanders podcast on this special roundtable edition of the show. And now flipping the script to you guys on and putting me on the floor as far as answering anything you guys have about the Florida Panthers. Armando, where in the heck did Alex Lyon come from? And why is he doing this at the end of the season? Funny enough, uh, he it, this, it all started with their loss against the Ottawa Senators. It's uh, actually before that, rewind a, a little bit. It's It all started with their road win on March 20th in Detroit, where Panthers knew that they only had two sets of back-to-backs left. Okay, that win against Detroit put them in the first wildcard spot to begin with. Okay, cool. Everything's okay. You can rest Sergei Bobrovsky for a little bit uh, for, for, for that game against Philadelphia, and you'll probably have Alex Lyons start one more. And we were looking ahead and thinking, okay, that second end of a back-to-back in Toronto and Montreal. Panthers lose four, um, four straight, go, go, go to Ottawa, give up three power play goals. And then the very next day, the, excuse me, two days later, when they go against Toronto a, as the month is ending, Alex Lyon has announced the starter, Sergey Bobrovsky's non-COVID illness. And here we are, six, six games later, six wins later. For, for the Panthers, but Alex Lyon did start er, er, earlier in the season towards late January. Actually, one of those games included was included was against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the seven to six overtime loss. That was the second yeah, of a back to back. Yeah. Yep. Latang's game winner there. Um, and with, with, with just crazy to think that we were just thinking Alex Lyon is only going to start two games after after March 20th. Nope. Alex Lyon has taken taken the crease. He hasn't he as far as the last game against Washington and then one against Columbus, he wasn't really busy around around the net. But the Toronto game is where it all started for for Alex Lyon as well. And of course, the game against the the home game against the Ottawa Senators where he saved 56 shots, one shy of a franchise record which was set by Roberto Luongo uh back in 2002 and but that one was in a loss against the Detroit Red Wings back in 2002. But Alex Lyon is the reason why the the this uh, and along with Matthew Kachuk and Carter Hagee are the reasons why the Florida Panthers are currently on a six game winning streak and holding the the first wild card spot. And he a little bit about his resume. He won the Calder Cup last year with the Chicago Wolves, and he was just facing against Charlie Lindgren just on Saturday, who was on the other side of that Calder Cup championship with the Springfield Thunderbirds, the affiliate of the St. Louis Blues. So crazy how. It's all been full circle just uh, just in, in a whole year of, of hockey. You know, the, the Panthers won the President's Trophy last year, but there were a lot of changes on the roster during the offseason. And they seem to have been inconsistent for most of the season, but now down the stretch, they have gelled. What do you think was the catalyst for this team sort of finally clicking at this late point in the season health and yeah they're currently without sam bennett at the moment but it the the day that 
the Florida Panthers were somewhat at their healthiest was actually was actually three games before the trade deadline when they when Anthony Duclair came back against the Buffalo Sabres. In that game, there was no Barkoff, there was no Bennett. Pick up a big win against the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, on the on the 28th. Lose against uh, at home against the Nashville Predators, a very close game. But then trade deadline comes, and Bill Zito doesn't make a single move during the trade deadline. But I kind of see it how as when you trade for so much the year before, and you don't have a first round pick till 2026, and you are right there on the bubble, then what? And you don't have a first round pick. Does it make sense to sell? Not necessarily. They have no. There's no benefit for the Panthers to tank. Zero, zero benefit for them. So there, but there also isn't. Worth isn't worth trading so much draft capital that you don't already have neither. And actually, the first game that the Panthers were mostly healthy was that home game on March fourth against Pittsburgh too. So that Alexander Barkov came back in that game. Sam Bennett came back. Anzi Duclair was in the lineup, and look what happens—a four-one win for the for the Panthers at the time. I didn't know what I didn't really think too much of how important that game would have been un, until now, but we're we're seeing it. But the Panthers before before uh, early February, they did not have a single three-game winning streak all season. So it was just win, loss, two win. One win, two two losses, one win. It was just so up and down. Through 41 games, this team was 18, 19, and four. Through 41 games. And 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 if you're looking, if you're trying to look at the Panthers schedule of when that is, it was January 8th against the Dallas Stars. Blown out of the building on on the road uh on January 8th. But a comeback win against the Boston Bruins at home where Alexander Barkov scores nearly at the buzzer to beat the Bruins right before the All-Star break was the start of one major turnaround for this Panthers team. And that was an Alex Lyons start too, funny enough, back in January. And the and then the second biggest win of the season was another Alex Lyons start. The the game against Toronto just last week, last Wednesday, or two Wednesdays ago almost. But it, it, it's just, it just happens to do with being healthy at the right time. Sam Bennett, Maybe he might come back Monday. Maybe maybe they'll wait until Thursday against Carolina. But he's one step closer to coming back for the Panthers. And and the Panthers, their power play has been clicking too. It, just in the last six games alone, they're scoring at a rate of thirty four percent on the on the power play, and they're killing ninety one percent of their penalties. They still take a lot of penalties. And I was looking up a stat as far as Paul Maurice's tenure in Winnipeg, the team that has has the most penalty minute infraction minutes. Throughout 2014 to 2022, funny enough, is the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's not an indication of that's not always an indication of how bad your team is or how um or how well you are at killing penalties. I mean, Pittsburgh has two cups in that span, despite taking so many penalties. Tampa Bay takes a lot of penalties too, and they won. They've made three straight Eastern Conference appearances. But the Panthers, before that stretch, they were not only going to the box, but they were not. They were not. They were not keeping pucks out of their own net, and now it's flipped. It's flipped for for this team with with this current stretch. They're starting to kill penalties. The the Panthers, for the first time in their history, outside of Pavel Bure, have a forty goal score. Alexander Barkov has been struggling with injuries most of his career and hasn't had a forty goal season. And the Panthers have two 
on their team this year in Matthew Kachuk and Carver Hagee. And Carver Hagee was for free for the Panthers because the Tampa Bay Lightning didn't give him a qualifying offer. And there's other players that Bill Zito has gotten for free as far as bargain signings of picking up Gus Forsling on waivers, Josh Mahura on, on waivers as, as well. That's another one. And of course, trading for the the unicorn that we call Matthew Kachuk here in South Florida. And it's just been a treat. He's passed his career high in, in points and, and if you saw any of the highlights of Saturday's game against the Washington Capitals where he scores with a minute left and the celly that he had, you knew that was big and that and that you knew that that goal meant a lot for this Panthers team. Yeah, no, I, I was, you know, I, I had both games on you know, just because, you know, the Penguins won yesterday and I got to, you know, see that one firsthand. But, you know, Armando, you know, talk about these final two games coming up. You know, I think these were the ones that I think both of our teams have circled, like the Penguins and the Islanders, they've circled, especially the Penguins because they've, they're have they behind right now. You know, everyone's circled these two coming up, the Leafs and the Hurricanes. How much do they actually have to play for? Toronto, I think, has to play their full team because they don't have any salary cap space to call up players from the Marlies. Um, the Hurricanes, I'm not really sure how much they're going to have to play for. If they, if they lose tomorrow and the Devils win, you know, the Metropolitan Division will still be, up, still be up for grabs, but it still could be up, it still could be up for grabs by Thursday. Um, you know, h- how are you feeling? You know, going into these final two against two of the top teams in the East, because you know the Penguins, Islanders, you know they end with two of the the worst teams in the conference slash the league. While the Panthers, you know, they're gonna even though they're ahead of the Penguins right now and they're top of the Islanders, I think they're if there's one team that's gonna really have to earn it th- this week, I think it's them. Absolutely, no doubt. The um, and I, I spoke about it on my Sunday uh, show where the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, gave Cal Yarncrook, Morgan Riley, and TJ Brody rest, but it doesn't mean that they're going to do it all around the lineup. And you made a great point about salary cap space about the the Marlies, which um, Toronto just uh, signed one of their big prospects in Matthew Nyes from the University of Minnesota. So uh, that's a big name to watch for the Maple Leafs in, in the future, but they they have the toughest schedule of the three. It's it's there's no way around it for 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 this Panthers team. And they they did they did beat Toronto on the on the road a, a few weeks ago in a in a in in a in a environment that's really hard to play. And that was their first win in Toronto in over three years, and so since since before COVID hit. To give you an idea of their last win in Toronto, this one's at home at FLA Live Arena. You the last time you hosted the Leafs, you got steamrolled all over. In, in in your last in your last matchup, the Florida Panthers playing with a sense of urgency. I don't know about the players, the ones who do dress, how much they're gonna exert as far as energy of about about preventing an injury or not. We can't tell. We're not the ones getting on the ice and playing, so we don't know. But it is it, it's it's a nervous feeling for for the Panthers, um, and and of course for me myself, um, wanting to see a win. But it's funny because the Panthers do have a clinching scenario on Monday night uh, is if the Panthers get a, a non-shootout win, New York Islanders get a regulation loss, the Panthers will be in a postseason spot no matter what. Because there's, if the Islanders win on Thursday, Panthers in regulation, and the Panthers lose in regulation on Thursday, down to the third tiebreaker for, for, for total win. Uh, on Monday for, for for the Panthers. Magic number is still three. Paul Maurice t- spoke about how you ch- that the other teams are going to drop games, especially Pittsburgh. I don't, I don't 
specter of the of the of the of the two games uh, against the the two teams who are literally neck and neck for the Connor Bedard and, and New York. They're going to be facing up against Washington Capitals team, who is likely to address this Saturday against the Panthers. Probably no Alexander Ovechkin, and it might be in the lottery as well. So it is a tall, tall task. I'm not net for me. Not worried about. It. I just can't look that far ahead. Yeah, they're fighting for the division. Yeah, they they blow well. New Jersey had a chance to to on them in the division. So Carolina will still have much. But Thursday, Thursday against Carolina, I'll put that a little bit on the back burner for now. Fourth and final matchup, you have an opportunity to tie the season series and and. and Clinching scenario on 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 Monday night for the, for the Panthers. It's going to be an exciting final week of the season for all three of these teams, and I'm eager to see how this one ends up playing out. Want to thank everyone for making this special uh, crossover episode your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NHL every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on Game to Game covers every contest from across the National Hockey League with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NHL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Gentlemen, this has been great. Always a pleasure to talk hockey with you. And two of these three teams are going to be in the postseason, most likely. The question is which two, and it should be a great week for fans of all of these teams to see this go down to what I'm sure is going to be the last game of the season. Can't, can't, can't wait till then. And hopefully from my end, it's the team that I. <laughs> yeah. I think we can all, we can all say that. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. You all know, have the uh, double screens going on Monday because the penguins are off until Tuesday. So that's going to be a lot of fun to see if Tuesday could be an elimination game for the penguins potentially. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and uh, for listening to this special episode of Locked on Panthers, Locked on Penguins and Locked on Islanders.